1: Severe MMA, severe
0: MMA, <laughs> severe MMA, severe MMA. The severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 238 of the severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka Shawnee Podcast, aka the Pod God. Joined today by the. Jim Royal of Irish media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about actually a fairly busy week and and even a bit longer in the world of uh, mixed martial arts. Obviously, we had no main podcast last week because we did the State of the UFC Address uh, and actually we did two podcasts over on patreon so we actually did more than we normally do with a, with a week off as as did happen butcher sure, anyway look these things happen in them graham any any crack or it's a blowy all evening out isn't
1: it? yeah it's seriously windy and uh it was raining earlier it's it's, it's cold out there we'd be hoping for some snow We've got a got a all the kind of downsides of being cold without the kind of fun part.
0: Yeah, there's a status red w- weather warning. And I just, as I sit down to do the podcast, I hear the wind blowing outside. So if anyone hears wind in the background running, anything. Sure, you're down the
1: west, aren't you? It always gets a worse, the worst weather.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the southwest. So, so it's not too bad here. in inland, but yeah, it's it's probably the second worst place. Apart from like Galway and fucking out that way. So, But sure, Lucas, we're in Ireland. What, what do we expect? If we lived in the Antarctica, we'd expect to get snow, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll to don't
0: you wouldn't be long getting frostbite. You wouldn't be long getting frostbite. <laughs> Legend, <laughs> that lad. He needs to be fucking presenting the weather on TG TGK or something. He'd be class, wouldn't he? Legend, butcher sure Lucas. I, I, yeah, yeah, I'd say he'd be good like at uh, the happy birthdays as well uh, yeah, on the yeah. weather. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, people are getting mad because I'm starting to say butcher sure, Lucas. I don't know. Wh- I don't know how I picked that up or wh- how I'm saying that, but apparently, I do know. I think it's just
1: Ah uh, but you're looking.
0: Ah, but you're looking, yeah, sure look the it is what it is. That's that's the new one I need to bring in. I hate that so much, it's so stupid. But Sharia, sure before we get into the uh the MMA, what you think of Man United winning Liverpool in the league yesterday? Fantastic, wasn't it?
1: Um nothing's really changed. Liverpool are still the same amount of points ahead of, of Leicester. What? <laughs> <laughs> mid-table <laughs> clashes don't ah, concern tough, us, fuck, I love it I Mid- love mid-table, it mid-table
0: <laughs> clashes don't concern us you're actually just you know the shittiest thing about this Liverpool fans can't really enjoy this and I know because when Limerick won the All-Ireland I was just I, like it nearly killed me to see him win in the All-Ireland but after like a what are you kind talking of about?
1: It's, it's massively enjoyable. It's so good. Everybody else is so shit, and no, <laughs> Liverpool no. are so good.
0: You're sh- you're absolutely shitting it. You're like fucking <laughs> Eamon Dumphy watching Neymar, Deck and a penalty. Like you're shitting it, dude. You're, you actually, <laughs> you can't enjoy it. Liverpool fans are not enjoying this. Every time I said like congrats to win the league, and I uh, genuinely mean that. I said before the season started they'd win it. Every time I said they're like, oh, it's not one yet. There's not one in November. and not one in December. Like that's true this is over come on we all know it man City are <laughs> fucking shite. man united beat him the worst man united team in the last 97 years beat him like for fuck's sake
1: yeah well like you know they're definitely going through a bad patch but they'll have um they'll have what's his name what's his La name to go? laporte back uh what january and they they could spend in january and they, leroy Sané be back soon as well if they choose to play him like they've got they've got some things coming back like and then Fernandinho can go back into midfield. Like Rodri's a good player when you have all the possession and all that, but like he's nothing like nothing compared to Fernandinho and breaking up the play. Like how how easily Man United counter attacked against Man City would never happen in uh, yeah, a word. Fernandinho team, let's be honest.
0: Congratulations on win the league on anyway, but you look at <laughs> These things happen in soccer, association football. Many other class though. We're good again. We beat Tottenham. We beat Man City. Loving it. All ever for Gunnar, well, yeah. in, in fairness, get it signed. In get fairness, the soldier. At least they're like enjoyable to watch now. Even when they fucking draw with Sheffield United and stuff, they're actually good to watch. So I'm I'm not complaining that much about them. It's okay. I'm. it's, it's all right. But sure. One, we'll talk about a bit I'll, of Everton. The,
1: the, the lad's a miracle worker. You have Jesse Lingard playing well. Like, what yeah. more do you want from <laughs> no, the lad? He
0: played one good game, okay game in GC associate, sure. Fuck him.
1: Come on, like he just, he just tore to uh, tour the best team of all time in the Premier yeah, League, according to most last year. The Shreds. Like the come on.
0: Your boy Rashford is finally coming good. Well, Rashford, though. Rashford champion. should have had a hat trick. Like, yeah. uh, it should have been six nil. Like, like,
1: like, why did he? Oh, that was such a bad finish at, at yeah. one 0 when he went through and gone. just like passed it like. Several yards wide, yeah, and then he had that really good effort kind of
0: off the post,
1: not yeah. Ronaldinho esque, but the, the way he just kind of yeah. shifted his hips to take the shot rather than taking a step was Took a little bit like that. It was, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, you got to hit the target if you want to score, I suppose. Yeah,
0: that's true, that's true. Speaking of hitting the target, Jorginho Rosenstruck hit the target with four seconds left in his fight with with Alistair over him, absolutely burst his face to shreds, one of the most nasty knockout injuries with a single blow we've ever seen in the history of MMA, just absolutely mad, insane finish to a... a fight that was—it was, was actually—it reminded me a little bit of Anthony Joshua versus um, versus Andy Ruiz earlier in the night. It was just kind of a, a detailed, very good, safe game plan for Alistair over him until it wasn't. And I suppose that's kind of the difference between MMA and and boxing as well. In 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 some senses, um, it was mad, wasn't it? This fight. What what did you think of before we get into the actual fight itself and stuff? What did you think of the the actual ending and the the finish of the fight and the way the the referee dealt with it?
1: Yeah, well, I think once the ref touched uh, the touched him, it was over. Like, he just kind of made sure Overeem didn't fall over before he waved his hands. I I, I think the ref did perfect.
0: Um, I don't, I've nothing but wrong like, with... He,
1: like, you wave your hand is, like, the thing. Okay, but, like, if the fighter's just been, like, had his face smashed open and he's trying to get up and trying to walk at you, you kind of make sure he doesn't fall over, like, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I look, I had nothing wrong with the, the stoppage. I think it should have been stopped. But the way he did it, and it wasn't a great night for Dan, and we'll get to more of that later on, but the way he... He stopped at the way he did. That's what I hate most about refereeing. That's why I always give out about Kevin McDonald, but he's improved in a bit, a bit as well. As it it's the dithering and the falling over and the not knowing what you're doing, not being assertive in that position. That's why. That's what I absolutely hate. Like if you're if you're in that yeah, position, yeah, he, did, he didn't really do
1: it. didn't really do with authority, which he should have yeah. done. But he did. He did. Like you know, first of all, get his hand on the fighter uh, so he wouldn't land another blow on on over him. Or, you know, on the grounded opponent or the finished opponent. Mm-hmm. So he did that. Then he made sure that Overeem didn't, like, you know, snot himself. Mm. Trying to stand up. And then he waved it off.
0: He didn't wave like, it, it just, off he until... He just kind of did it
1: kind of awkwardly.
0: He I didn't know. wave it off until Overeem had, like, walked four steps over. And, like, at that position, it didn't look as good as... He was kind as, of, was kind as of, as of as propping, as
1: propping up. him up, though. Wasn't he kind of propping him up, though? Like, him kind I of looking at so. him. Like, Overeem and then he sees he... That, that exploded face and he's just like... Oh. Yeah.
0: Overeem actually got up and walked away, and he looked didn't look that bad. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been stopped or anything, but it's... I don't know. Look, stoppages are very hard, and I don't want to criticise him that much, but just... Uh, everything that went on in the night was just a bad night for Dan and Marguerite. Like, those stoppages are so weird as well, because I hate when fighters... Like, I almost think, in a position like that, where a fighter walks away, and the guy isn't, like, spark out, dead on the ground, where, you know, Overeem got up and walked away. I know he was, you know, falling around and everything, but... In that position, when a guy walks away like that, I think you should give the opportunity to the guy who's after getting hurt. Give him, give him a second. You know, give. And I know I, I criticize him for not doing it straight away, but... he
1: didn't away. Until he was touched by the ref, he was kind of just standing there, like for a split second. Then the ref touched him, and then he kind of walked away. I don't
0: know. He was, he was like, definitely. He, walking
1: away. He, 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 he didn't turn his back until after the ref had touched him. Yeah, he still could have like landed a big punch on the ground there, if he, or went over him, stood sort of, if the ref hadn't yeah, touched him. I think him
0: that you. I think that was the issue. The, the fact that. Rosenstruck actually walked away and made it even tougher for Dan again. I don't like I, it's grand if, to do a walk away knockout, when you knock someone clean out and they're unconscious on the ground. But like that, okay, he was he was definitely knocked out. Look, the fight should have been stopped. But the fact that he kept going and he was able to get up like 1 second later, like I I I I feel like a, a referee in that position, I think maybe it's something referees need to talk about. I think when a fighter walks away, that's your opportunity to give the hurt fighter an extra second, like, if they're not completely and utterly knocked out. Now, maybe this isn't the best example of it because he was really, really hurt, but, I like, that. I think that's an issue in the bigger picture rather than just this fight, when the walk away knockout thing happens, because when Rosentruck walks away there... He's giving that referee a decision here. You're stopping that fight. like He's refereeing the fight at that point. And that's bad. That should, I don't think that should be allowed. Like The referee should... I know it's a very hard thing to do because it's a, an absolute split-second you know, decision to make. But I feel like the referee should just step back a second in that position. See, okay, this fighter's not in danger because that guy's after walking away. Let's give him a second to see how he actually is. If he's falling around the best, if he's knocked out, then stop him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's rare you see a guy walk away like when, like he was touched before he walked away, in my recollection anyway. So like if a guy does, you see it sometimes with kickboxers coming in in the past where they knock a guy down and they kind of forget what's going on and they have to be kind of reminded to go to go in onto the ground to finish off. Or you have like people like Mark Hunt who, who, you know, once they land a big punch and they kind of know it's sunk, then they, they just know that it's it's over.
0: Yeah, I suppose, but
1: and it is like really cool when you when you do. Yeah,
0: it is. It's cool. About, like if that if that was me in that position, I think it's a smart thing to do because you're, you're because you influence the soccer. ref to, Yeah, you well. Yeah, you probably should be doing it. But sure, uh, the fight anyway itself as suppose
1: It's uh, kind of like you know in in in, in football and soccer. Like if it's you think it's an offside, it looks like off. You stick the hand, hand in the up, air, yeah. like it influences. It influences the the referee.
0: Yeah, or if you're Liverpool, you just get given every decision by VAR, but uh, this fight started, as <laughs> as I as I predicted, with him uh, going for a takedown, and he went for one, actually, in like the first minute, didn't get it, but didn't got one halfway through round. He
1: had some horrendous, yeah, horrendous double-leg attempts he where did, he moved yeah. in super slow motion, changing yeah. levels, but his trips and throws were nice.
0: Very good, yeah. He got no takedown in the second, but he landed the big left, right down to the middle, and won that, that fight strike. He was just saying very defensive on the feet, keeping his hands up. Uh, in the third, he jumped uh, you know, that was a double leg you're talking about I think he jumped towards the cage with a double leg I uh, got him in the clinch got the clinch uh, uh, Rosenstruck got free uh, but over him landed a big knee and he landed that left hand again that was landing all night uh, he got a takedown late and uh, ground pound for the last minute the fourth round then I think was the closest over him was landing some power shots uh, but Rosenstruck got those big flurries uh, but they were all landing on the gloves there was like nothing landing at all on over him uh, I, I think, actually, on the broadcast, John Ennick said over him won all four rounds, but I think someone got the actual scorecards, and I think two judges, uh, I think, yeah, two judges had the four-round for Rosenstruck, So it was one of those close rounds, and, you know, depending on where you're sitting, uh, on the on Cage side, you wouldn't, you, you know, it's hard to see what, what those strikes around him. But to me, it didn't look like many of those strikes around him. But in the fifth in, it was maybe a little bit similar to the to the fort. Overeem was landing a few strikes. Uh tried to pull guard twice, and after that, he seemed to get very very tired. Um, but it wasn't until maybe the last thirty seconds or so that he started dropping his hands. But I think and pulling guard,
1: it, it, pulling guard when you're way better grappler than the other guy is probably a sign of tiredness as well.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, it definitely is. Like in that position, rather than pulling guard, you should just like because Overeem was doing a great job of kind of falling into the clinch in terms of keeping his hands up. Closing the distance and just getting clinched. He, like, he could have done that all day against Rosenstruck. And he didn't do that late. And I suppose that's because of tiredness as well. Your mind isn't thinking the way it was uh, before. But overall, like this is a fight. And Overeem does this a lot. I, all I could think of like at, at the halfway point or after this fight is... Ro- Overeem's given him too much lee- leeway here, like, he did this, he's done this a few times, like the, I suppose the Bigfoot Silva fight, and, and the Travis Brown fights, are, are ones you can look at, in terms of, okay, he got knocked out, it was a little bit, obviously a little bit earlier, than this is his latest fight in UFC history, heavyweight history, I believe, but, Overeem is one of those guys, that will play it, maybe, maybe not play it too safe, but, when an opportunity comes to like rise the pace a little bit, to get maybe the finish or to t- completely take away the fight from a guy, he doesn't do it because I think he's maybe afraid of that chin getting tested, as it has so many times before he's been knocked out. Like There was positions. When he was on top there, especially in the, the first two or three rounds, he could have finished that fight. You know, He could have sunk in a choke. He could have upped the pace a little bit. Like uh, Anyone who listened to the rewatch this week knows Rosenstruck is on the ground. He's... he's know he's like a fish up a tree he's absolutely terrible like he's yeah why didn't
1: over posture up like why didn't he just like you know the guy's not gonna throw up a triangle or an armbar you know what i mean he's not gonna
0: he doesn't
1: doesn't know what he's doing he didn't even know how to shrimp property and he didn't he didn't know he didn't know what he was doing on the ground he was just kind of riding it out waiting it worked out brilliantly for him like he just waited it out got it on the feet and finished it just in time but for over him, he, he could have done a lot more damage uh, on top. Yeah, um, and I don't really know why he didn't. He's playing he, like he's kind of gone from reckless to to safe to too
0: safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, I, I've no, I've no problem with being too safe on the feet against someone like Rawls but as you say on the ground, like, <laughs> like maybe people haven't gone back and watched that Rawls fight, and I did it this week purposely to. So I remembered it correctly, you know, just so I could remember that. I wasn't just, oh, I saw this guy once and I think, oh, he's not great and that's just going to be my opinion forever. I went back and I watched it. And saw like, he had improved a little bit in this. I don't think his takedown defence against the cage was as bad as it was in that uh, Junior Albini fight. <coughs> he was, <coughs> sorry, as I die, he was absolutely horrendous in that fight. He wasn't as bad, you know, he stopped a few takedowns <coughs> from over him in this fight, but on the ground, as I said, just just horrendous. Like, the thing about, Rosentruck as well though and to, to give him a lot of credit and I, uh, who was a Paul Felder I think kept saying it on the on the broadcast that he's just so comfortable on the feet and so relaxed like if that fight had, had gone four seconds longer we I'd be on here saying he's too relaxed and he I, I'm probably still saying he was too relaxed because he got into
1: a way um, too passive yeah uh, a rhythm was of too passive. Uh, like when him was visibly tired even up until the last five seconds he yeah. didn't go for it yeah
0: yeah, it's, and that's when you get into that position like, against someone like an Overeem, you have to t- take those chances. Like, because you're not gonna, you're not always, you're always gonna knock him out with four seconds left on the clock. Like, but look, it was, <laughs> I-, I tweeted last night. A lot
1: of guys who are, are like yeah. a, an over him situation where they're up several rounds, and yeah. in, in most people's minds, in his mind, most people would even just circle away and just not even let you. Mennitten attack just refused to engage. Mm-hmm. Like you see that what was it the the, the boxing like you see Ruiz like let's well, come on let's go. Yeah, <laughs> Joshua uh, didn't yeah. Joshua was just, like, absolutely not mate like. Yeah. I literally did all his work like what are you talking about?
0: Yeah, that's true. And Like, we we criticize him for being too safe, but I don't think he was safe enough in in the last 30 seconds. But I think that was with tiredness, too. But Rosenstruck did a great job. I think
1: sometimes sometimes at the end of rounds or the end of fights, when you hear the 10-second clapper, it's like, ah, it's done. It's over, yeah. Some guys, you kind of see them, like, you know, they they kind of stop doing their game plan. They just kind of do something different.
0: Yeah, that's very true. But, like, the, the way Rosenstruck actually finished it, it reminded me a little bit of Pettis against Wonderboy. Not the exact same situation, obviously, because Pettis said he's back against the cage, but... He kind of, it wasn't so much a Superman punch, it was kind of a leaping punch to close the distance. Now he kind of landed on him first to set it up, but then the the right hand that came behind it was very good. Like, we all know how fast Rosenstroke is, but it's, if you look at that, that fourth round where I I talked about he was throwing all those flurries. And uh, uh, Joshua, I know you call him, uh, over him, was blocking them all. Like his hands were planted to his head. But in, at the end, he, his hands were just right down by his side. And I know so it's a little bit more complicated than uh, keep your hands up a lot of the time in MMA. But that was Overeem's game plan the whole time. Rosenstruck wasn't attacking the body. He wasn't attacking the legs with takedowns. He was throwing a few kicks, but not, not that much. And o- Overeem just, like, was wide open for it at the end. And that's to do with tiredness. And it's probably to do with, oh, it's over. I've won. Uh, but that's obviously very unfortunate. But uh, as I was saying, like... Only at heavyweight MMA can someone like Rosenstruck have success because he's an unbelievably limited fighter. He's such a dangerous knockout artist, 100%, but you couldn't have success like he has at any other weight class you know people talk about say someone like mcgregor who's a similar knockout artist but mcgregor's takedown defense is very good unless he's fighting fucking habib or you know on the ground he's able to survive for four rounds with habib until he gets finished or you know he does all these fights he does well on the ground with diaz even in in the in the second round he got that you know that sweep in him so like you can see those skills there he's not as good as ground as diaz or whoever he's fighting well, you can see the skills and the ability to survive and the ability to get back up. <laughs> Rosenstruck doesn't have that. Like, Overeem's a very good ground fighter, but he's not, you know, he's not Verdum, or he's not, you know, Daniel Cormier or something like that, who's a strong wrestler, strong jiu-jitsu player, and he got destroyed by him. So, he's a lot of work to do. Uh, maybe the Francis Ngannou fight's actually a good fight for him, because <laughs> there probably won't be much uh, ground fighting in that fight. So, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to seeing that, hopefully, uh, if it happens. But, all in all, this card was just pretty insane to be honest from from start to finish the my boy michael carroll tweeted out the latest finish in ufc history two draws uh extreme nut shots which we might get to next multiple 10-8s a fucking twister and matt wyman uh <laughs> matt wyman going insane but let's get to the bin rotwell Stefan Struve fight if anyone hasn't seen it and i know a lot of people probably didn't stay up for this but um Stefan Struve got hit with a big kick to the balls early in the fight, uh, stayed down for like four minutes, 57 seconds, <laughs> then got back up and said, right, I want to continue. It looked like a really, really bad one, and the crowd were booing and cheering and everything. Um, that, that was grand. They kept fighting in, and Struve was kind of winning the fight, I suppose. Uh, Bryn Rottweil got, got a point taken, uh, and He Brinrock was kind
1: of <laughs> using his range a little bit as well with kicks, which was very surprising. He's he finally he can't, uh, used his range a little bit.
0: His inability to jab is the most frustrating. But he was going to few bush kicks, kicks going, yeah, and he was, left yeah.
1: head kicks going. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> better than before. <laughs> couldn't be much worse. God. He's so frustrated. Imagine being seven foot tall and not jabbing. Like, <laughs> like it's the one day. You'd literally just throw out the hander. You don't even have to have a good jab. Just hold your hand out, and most lads are going to beat him like at that heavyweight division. But anyway, uh, Ben Rockwell hit him with another. Dick kick again then, and he went down. This one looked even worse. And this, I suppose the controversy started from here then, because Dan Mergliada went down, covered his microphone, started talking to him, and I believe told him, uh, I'm going to take a point if you continue, and uh, if you don't, it's going to be a no contest, which I'm not sure if that's 100% correct, because I think it was past the halfway point, and maybe someone can clarify that who knows the, the those specific rules better than me. But it was beyond the halfway point, so I think that would have gone to the judges' scorecards. Uh, which would have meant Struve would have won because he got the point taken and he probably won the, the first round as well. So that was, you know, that was a bit wrong from uh, from Dan Murgliotti there. But whatever, even if that was the case, if it did go to no contest or whatever, that's not Dan Murgliotti's job to tell Stefan Struve what to do there or what that position is. His job is to say, do you want to fight? Do you need a doctor? Do you want this fight to be stopped? Are you okay? You have five minutes. I'm, you know, I'm working with you here. You're going to be okay. It's not to say, here, you here if you uh, if you keep fighting here, you're probably going to win because you're two points ahead. Ah, but if you don't, you know you're you're going to get new count. It's going to be shit. Him. Like that's not the referee's job, and it's also not the referee's job to cover his fucking microphone when he's saying that. Like I thought that was horrendous. What did you what did you think of Dan Margiotta's uh, performance in, in that position?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you definitely shouldn't cover the microphone. Like, imagine in in rugby or something. If yeah. if Nigel Owens, for example, one of the referees is like making some decision and he just like uh, covering his microphone like like that. Yeah, yeah, it's very suspicious. Like you're like with well, something something shady's going on here. Yeah,
0: it was, it was yeah, it was very bad. And obviously, as, as tends to happen, I don't know what happened, they got back fighting and Ben Roberts fucking knocked him out. So Dan Merglada literally like talked him into fighting again, and then he got knocked out very very soon after. But you know, it was a controversial fight, but not a really a good fight at all. Just very mid-level, heavyweights MMA, just not not very good at all. Um, other than that, then Marina Rodriguez got uh, a draw with uh, sintony Calvillo, and I think most people were watching the the Tito Ortiz Alberto Del fight at that stage. So that's kind of glossed over, a little bit, which we'll we'll get to in a second. But uh, Aspen Lad came out and knocked Yannik Kuniskaya down at the very start of the third round after two minutes okay lackluster kind of rounds um and uh and got the finish uh Din uh there was another draw with Cody Staman and Song Yedong I spent most of this fight tweeting dick jokes because Yedong was fighting obviously um so I wouldn't like this is one of those fights where I think this needs a judge to explain exactly what happened here because there was a lot of there was a lot of top control from Cody Staman, and I thought he was landing a few shots like I I need to go back and watch it closer again to give an absolute definitive but I thought Staman probably had done enough and like no most people were were roaring and crying about this afterwards Um, but you know I was it was one of those fights. Another, another, you know, kind of controversial fight. Song Yadong hit him with a big. He got Yadong right to the face. Hit him with a big knee right in the eye. Uh, from uh when he was grounded. So from that point on, it was kind of it was a, it was an odd fight, but um. My boy Rob Font then was absolutely fantastic. He's jabbed just absolutely brilliant. Ricky, some game as ever, you know, coming back from that Uriah Faber loss. But Font was just a a bit too good from him for him even. And then um, Tim Means, what do you think of that? That Tim Means um, finish. He obviously almost knocked him down early, and then uh, guillotined him. Tim Means is one of those guys. He's always he's always fun to watch, isn't
1: he? Yeah, he is, and he's a good test as well. Like everybody can't be like you know. Upper echelon. Uh you need you need these guys around and yeah, he kinda he takes one to give one, which which can end up getting you knocked out but can also get you exciting finishes and Dana White kinda likes that and will we'll keep you around. So uh yeah, Tim Means is, is you know, he's uh he's a good fighter that'll stick around and be an exciting fight So uh uh <laughs> I don't see him really going anywhere. <laughs> but uh Tago Alves, you know, he's he's uh, for years, he was kind of the up-and-coming prospect that people thought, like, oh, you know, this guy's vicious Muay Thai, but uh, he's had so many injury problems and and, and all that stuff that uh, <laughs> he's, he's his career has kind of just petered out.
0: Yeah, and I think this was... I think my Bond as well, this was the last... Uh, his last fight on on his UFC contract. So you know, probably this will probably be the last fight in the UFC for him, which is uh, unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I think he's the most welterweight fight in UFC history. You know, he's been around Depends, for a long yeah. time. Yeah.
1: Depends what money he's on. If he's on some not great money, he might be he might be kept around.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, my boy Andy Hall actually asked about the the next fight on guard Billy Quarantillo. Uh, how far do you think he can go? I think he could go pretty far. You know, it was one of those fights where it started and I didn't really know either of the guys ah uh, but he just absolutely decimated Jacob Kilburn here. It was one of those fights where you're thinking about will the will the uh, toll be thrown in at some stage but he looked very good so I guess, never
1: will be because
0: because <laughs> but he's one uh, he's one to keep an eye on. He almost shocked him a couple of times then he got the the triangle chokes. So it was it was a big night for a um, big night for submissions and none bigger than Bryce Mitchell who twisted max yeah. sales it happened at 4:20 of the round 4:20, a at twister this is like eddie bravo's fucking wet dream isn't it i couldn't believe this how did I,
1: how did <laughs> I think actually yeah eddie bravo got, got a the first award the one when the korean zombie got the twister on leonard garcia yeah. joe rogan was commentating and he was he was like oh my god eddie bravo like he was going mad uh so yeah it's kind of always be associated with eddie bravo through that yeah. but um yeah twister is like yeah they're they're, they're just they're crazy they're mad to watch and um you can't you i don't know just because of how much it was talked about after the green zombie you can you could see it coming before you were like oh it's a twister possibly coming here like and mm-hmm. that's happened a few times in over the years in fights and it hasn't hasn't turned into a twister but uh yeah it's like uh, it looks nasty like being being in, <laughs> being in that in that twister
0: yeah i obviously am no jujitsu expert here but whenever you see a twister happening Rob was like, oh, that's very kind of low-level <laughs> in terms of the jiu-jitsu, I think. Now, a jiu-jitsu player might be it's able to... like a to... long von joke yeah, or something like that. Like. Be, but even worse, because there's, there's a reason there's only been two in 25 years of, of the UFC. Um, but yeah, look, fair play out to Bryce. Bryce Mitchell's a good guy as well. You know, a lot of people criticize him because he fights in Arkansas, and he, he hasn't moved out of there yet. Um and, and he's with his kind of small team there, but it's going well for him, he's a tough motherfucker, like, and he never stops, and he got a very funny promo, like putting over Donald Trump or something, being in D.C., it was, I didn't even know what he was saying, I do not know if he was supporting him, or what he was doing, he was just went mad, but it was very funny, anyway. um Didn't Joe Selecki beat Matt Wyman, the, the ghost of Matt Wyman, going full fucking BJP in here, he looks so bad, Bellator will probably match him with Michael Ville and Page for his next fight, so... <laughs> Uh, just <laughs> absolutely fucking horrendous I'm, like it was one of the it was BJ pin levels of bad like I couldn't believe it like you can't take four or five years off of MMA and expect to come back to fight, uh, you know, murder, Especially when like, you were Justin, never like, that he.
1: good in the first place. Nah, like.
0: he was alright, like, but... This was like a time like, machine you know, about Yeah, you not some,
1: like, you know, best of all time coming... Yeah. Like, GSP coming back after three years or something, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: that's very true, but yeah... Matt Wyman won't fight in the UFC again after this. I, I can't see it unless he's some unbreakable contract or something. But yeah, this, this was... This was very, very bad. Uh, and then one of the fucking knockouts of the year came from Virno Gendiroba, who knocked fucking... Or no, but it was... um. No, sorry, yeah, uh, that was the the submission to choke. choke. It was uh, Mahmoud uh, Mouradov who knocked out Trevor Smith with the big KO, punched him, knocked his fucking face, his mouth uh, mout shield, what's it called, mouth shield, gum shield, into the fucking uh, as Robbie Fox put it, the 17th draw, just absolutely smashed him to pieces. Want to, without a shadow of a doubt, want to knock out of the year. You know, probably submission of the year as well, but the twister in this uh, card. So, all in all, a, a pretty uh, a pretty mad night of fights. Um... And before we move on, maybe yeah, to, like uh, a, the, the
1: walk offness of it as well makes it yeah. the knockout better, <laughs> as it's, we were talking about earlier.
0: It was fantastic. Uh, also, on the night last night, there was a KSW 52 card. I wasn't able to watch most of it. My boy Sean Denny was watching, so maybe he'll give us a report on it and stuff. But uh, Scott Ascombe beat Mehmet Kaladov, which. I suppose a couple of years ago would probably have been a, a big uh, a big shock, but nowadays Scott Ascom, I think has improved an awful lot, and he's a very very good fighter, so a good win for him there. Uh, everyone's talking about this Saladin Parnesi who beat uh, Ivan Bushinger, your boy's boy, uh, <laughs> over a unanimous decision. So I keep an eye on him. Everyone's talking about him. Uh, Simon uh, Kalecki beat uh, Damian Janikowski, who obviously we've seen around for a long time as well. So some some good fights uh, there on KSW, and then uh, I don't know if you saw it not, Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> yeah, I saw. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he, oh
0: god. It wasn't a work anyway. That's the that, that's the best thing I could say about it. What, what did yeah, we unless
1: he's about? very good at pretending not to know how did you do this to do jiu jitsu. Yeah.
0: <laughs> which could be it
1: <laughs> he's actually an expert but he's like oh, no, I'll just pretend nah, not, not just to know want, what I'm doing here
0: <laughs> just one fighter, yeah he got he just got destroyed didn't he it was like it was what what you'd expect from a fight where like, a guy who, who hasn't fought in 10 years was never good and he fights you know a guy who at one time was one of the best MMA fighters in the world and who has you know he's only lost one fight in the last 7 years I know he hasn't been fighting maybe that much or fighting that high quality but Tito Ortiz is a real fighter, you know, he can throw a punch, he can do jiu-jitsu, he can wrestle, you know, he's not fucking John Jones, or he's not beating anyone in the UFC heavy, uh, light heavyweight division at the moment, but he's no fucking mug, like, you know... And uh, when he goes in there against a the guy who's been doing pro wrestling for the last 20 years and, you know, had a, a few fights wearing a mask over in Pride with... with uh, I don't want to go full gels on in here, but with the referee wearing an earpiece, <laughs> earpiece and things. I don't think it's uh, exactly the best thing in the world. But what do you think of these actual things, you know, where... I, I call MMA the dumbest sport in the world, and Ariel kind of retweeted and goes, that's ah, not dumb, it's just real pro wrestling, which I would consider dumb as well, even though I love MMA and love pro wrestling, but I, when I say dumb... I don't mean that negatively. I think it's great. Like, we, <laughs> it's it's so, like, things like these are so fun. Like, to, to love MMA, I think everyone at the start, well, maybe not everyone, but lots of people, me included, get into MMA because we love the fighting. Uh, maybe it's different because of the, the McGregor era stuff. When, I think when we got into it, like, I fell in love with the skill and the, the heart and the desire of these fighters and... You know, (laughs) just watching someone have a beautiful jab or lovely takedowns or be able to destroy someone like Habib or land a big left left hook like McGregor or land high kicks like Wanderby, it's just absolutely brilliant to watch. But as you get on, you realise exactly what MMA is, I think. And you realise that MMA is not just that beauty, but it's what happens outside of the octagon too. And what happens, what has happened in the history of MMA in terms of it coming from Japan and lots of pro wrestlers doing it and the pageantry and the, the prize-fighting nature of it that came from boxing as well. That, uh, and a lot of the boxing stuff obviously came from pro wrestling as well because Muhammad Ali was a big pro wrestling fan and all the talk and things like that. And I think to be like a fully rounded mma fan and completely enjoy mma and not have like half of mma like fuck i hate this shit i just want to watch the fighting you have to enjoy that and uh, you know i feel like you have to become part of the circus you know in a way at times now you can i'm sure some people don't like it and they'll just moan and give out about it all the time which is their right and they're probably our right to do it but when I see Alberto del Rio walking out, and there's like six lads wearing luchador masks in his corner, and he's fighting Tito Ortiz, and Juliana Pena, the worst commentator in the history of sports, is commentating on the fight. I just love it. It's so it, it was so terrible. It was great, wasn't it? What, what, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on my rant there on MMA before wrestling? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, Yeah, I think um a lot of aspects are taken for but people don't don't like that for some reason. I don't know why. People don't like any comparison. I, I think it's kinda of like the box people don't like when boxing people don't like when MMA's mentioned that yeah. they like to I don't know, it's like an independence thing or something. Yeah. I don't know why.
0: That oh, you should you see it at the weekend there, um did during the Joshua fight. Habib came into the. Uh, Habib was at the fight, right, and they brought him in. Obviously, it was in Saudi Arabia, so you know the, the that that part of the world. Habib is huge, and there was a video that came out of it, like Habib coming in, and everyone's like, "Yeah, Habib!" and they were like, "Norma, I of chat and like chatting like Habib, 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 uh, the whole time as he was walking in, you everyone in the crowd, and I tweeted out, "Oh, uh, huge." Uh, reaction for Habibas, he's coming in and like four or five boxing people like replied to me going like that was Canelo what are you talking about and I was like there's a video of it Habibas right there coming in it's it's so weird boxing people like and I, MMA have it as well and MMA are actually worse I think but like we're so triggered when anyone ever says anything not even bad about our sport but like <laughs> that's just not praising our sport with your absolute whole heart and I think we had there's a there's a touch of that in the every way. In but sure, look. These things happen in combat sports. Uh right, before we move on to next week's heart, what do you think of the what did you think of the Joshua Andy Ruiz fight? I know you uh you watched this. Did you were you one of these lads who was roaring oh he's fucking born shit, he should have knocked him out. What's the crack? Or what way were you?
1: No, it's 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 boxing, I expect. That yeah. decision <laughs> decisions uh in in fights where it isn't a complete mismatch. Fights? Or bouts. Bouts?
0: Bouts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, look. I I thought he was smart. You know, I watched the first fight, and I I thought Ruiz did come in, like, fucking four stone overweight. He looked like me in there. Like, he was just, he looked horrendous. But, yeah, look, Joshua did the right thing. He jabbed him up, walked around him, and got his belts back and can move on from Ruiz now, I think. I don't want to see the third fight again. I think, you, you know... Uh, I don't think it'd, it'd be any different from that from that second fight. Joshua knows the way to fight him now. And there's no way I don't think Andy Ruiz is beating him again. But yeah, anyway. Right, let's move on to UFC 245. And this arguably card of the year. Three huge title fights. And huge in terms of, I think, MMA fans. Because maybe outside of MMA fans, there wouldn't be uh, the biggest, most hyped fights in the world. But I absolutely love him. And I absolutely love the Usman colby covington fight because watching some of their fights um i'm very very intrigued by this because you look at colby covington right and you you see the way he, he fights you know he throws hands he opens up barely he comes in and he throws big power strikings and then he gets into uh, big power strikes even and he gets into his wrestling and He's just a dogged, non-stop wrestler. He moves around. He pulls you all around the cage. He rarely gets stood up um, because he, he just never stops, you know, and he's he's just absolutely heavy. His head, you know, I, I actually just did a rewatch there talking about Amanda Nunes and talking about Habib and their shoulder. Ha- Covington's head, he just pushes against your chest, just never stops, and he's absolutely brilliant at doing that. Whereas, you look at Usman, and he's more of a... A slower paced fighter in terms of he'll strike, he'll jab, he'll he'll move in. His fakes are very good. He's a very strong, single leg, strong body lock. Dude's ever all smooth, deliberate moves. Um, and I think that's really the key to this. It's that tempo will decide this fight. Can Usman make it a slower, more deliberately paced fight? Or can Covington make it a non-stop, never-stop push you against the cage? Pull you down, fight forever. I think it's very, a very, very, very intriguing fight. What, what do you think of it, Graham? I, I know, maybe for the for the. Uh as pt you call the casuals. It might be the best fight in the world, but for me, I think it's gonna be a very, very intriguing fight. What are your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to see how it looks. Like, uh, I, yeah, I definitely agree with <clears throat> definitely agree with what you're saying about like, you know, it's not going to be exciting the casuals, but you know, both guys have, have really like kind of dominated all their recent opponents, and um, Usman is just. Uh, I think, he's, I think he might be just a little bit better of a wrestler, uh, maybe stronger. It's, it's really hard to judge, though, because Covington is improving as well. Both of them are improving, and both of them are have been really dominant, haven't really been challenged in the wrestling that much. Like, in, You know, Osman uh, went out there against Maya and kind of just flattened him. Mm-hmm. Went out there against Jesanias, did the same. Tyron Woodley, I think the the, the Covington Maya fight was, was similar as well like that's kind of the, the common opponent you can look at mm-hmm. but uh, DeSanos is kind of another one but he's he's a, kind of smaller you'd expect both guys to dominate him but mm-hmm. I, I, I just expect I don't know it could go either way And but I, I expect Usman to be just a little bit better I think he's more of a sound wrestler maybe he doesn't expend as much kind of energy and strength as, as Covington but it's really hard to judge
0: Watching back that Tyron Woodley Usman fight, you know I'm I'm no expert in wrestling or anything. But usually when you you know when I watch a fight back, I can see how he took him down, or even you know what the commentators might mention how he took him down or things. But watching that Usman Woodley fight, I, I can't get my head around how he just dominated him so easily. Whether. And I, I don't like saying it, but I feel like it was a bad night for Woodley, you know, because it was just so easy. And look, Ted not in the way of me, he had the smart game plan, he did very well to close the distance and push Woodley in there. But the way he just, he literally just caught the single leg and took him down all night. And I don't think he'd be able to do that to Usman, or to uh, Covington, sorry. Now, I, did, I thought he wouldn't be able to do that to Woodley, so maybe I'm wrong again. And if he does do it to, to Covington and holds him down all night you can start talking about him as pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the world, honestly, Um, because to do that to Covington would be tough, but I don't know, I feel like Covington's going to win, and I just think, I just think, if, like, if Usman wants to take Covington down, he's going to have to get into a wrestling battle, and when I say, you know, a wrestling battle, obviously if you want to take someone down, you're going to have to battle someone in wrestling, but When I say battle, I mean an actual, like a battle. Because everything with Covington is an absolute battle. It's a battle for this position. It's a battle for you to get out and him not letting you get out. It's just 25 minutes of battling. And... I think awesome or, uh, Covington is one of the best in the world at that. I honestly, because people dislike him so much, I think they, they don't really see how good he is. Like, Covington is a good striker. He can, tr- he, you know, he's not he's not fucking McGregor or Wonderboy or anything like that, but he's a good striker. He can throw a jab. He's, a
1: he's an improving striker. Yeah.
0: And he's powerful as well. He throws with big, big power, and he's not afraid to throw that power as well because what's going to happen? He's going to get, you know, you're going to push him against the fence or you're going to take him down, and he's happy enough to do that. So it's, it's a very, very intriguing fight for me. I'm really looking forward to seeing how how it goes. And I, I really think I really think the key to it is pace. You know, if Covington can get his pace going and make it a fast paced, scrambling fight, I think he'll win. Uh, but if Usman can push him against the fence, hold him there, take him down, get on top, I think he'll win and make it a slower grind. fight, grind him up, uh, in uh, in, a, in a, like they're both gonna grind, but grind in, in very different ways. I'm I'm really intrigued to see how it goes um, I think we leave the Nunes the Randomy fight for, for last because I'm really looking forward to that fight as well and I think that's maybe the most maybe not the most intriguing fight of it but I, I love watching many Nunes I love to, talking about it but the Volkanovski Max Holloway fight um, I saw uh, um, Conor Rebush talking about it during the week as I was kind of watching the back of the Aldo fight and I couldn't agree with him more like the way Volkanovski fought that Aldo fight after watching his couple of fights before was fantastic because he changed totally in that fight you know I, I talked about Dustin Poirier before the Habib fight and the way he was able to change up the fight Max Holloway and fight different ways and that's why I thought he'd do very well against Habib now it didn't go that way but when you look at Volkanovski and you see him as like he's a very very tough uh, wrestler I suppose um, after those big strikes that he lands with the right hand over the top um. And he just changed that when he fought Aldo, and he became like, I'm going to jab you, I'm going to run around you, I'm going to like get past your whole might, I think, I'm going to throw, throw single shots at you, I'm going to use movement rather than pressure, I'm going to throw the odd combination, be very good defensively, switch stances. Something which you know he did bits and pieces of in all his fights, but in the Minda's fight, you know, he gets up on takedowns, he pressures him, he's good defensively, and he throws power like very differently in both things. So when someone can do that, and they prove that they can... Um, fight very different but very effective game plans against two world-class guys. That always gives me hope, no matter who they're fighting. So, like, he he's in that camp as well, I believe, with Israel Adesanya, which is a fantastic camp. Like, do you think there's any way... I mean, not anywhere, but you think there's a a good chance that Volkanovski comes in here with a very good game plan to fight someone like Max Holloway, like he's proven he can do it before, hasn't well, he? Well, yeah, I think
1: he's shown in the past. Yeah, yeah, he's shown in the past that he's he can follow a game plan and doesn't rely on fighting the the same way all the time. So for Holloway, it's uh, you know it's it's hard to for some guys it's easy to study what they're gonna you know what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of you can kind of work out counters, but maybe. You know, Volkanovski will will throw him a curveball, but I think I think this is a really really good fight. This is this is a hard one to call. Like you know, uh, Max Holloway's obviously been um, you know he's been dominant. He he's he's been very dominant at uh, one forty five. Uh, obviously, he stepped up to fifty five and lost, but at his at his. At his uh, at featherweight, he's been pretty much invincible since uh, since McGregor beat him. So uh, it's hard to pick against him at this weight. But this is a very difficult puzzle to solve, and Bukowski can, can 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 catch him here. But I don't know Max Holloway's relentlessness. Like I, I'm kind of I'm kind of I think Max Holloway's over that whole incident where he looked terrible. But it's kind of in the back lingering in the back of my mind. We haven't seen him fight really. We saw the, the Ortega fight, but Frank Yeager fight was kinda of like a gimme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the style matchup it was it was never really gonna offer him too much. But uh I think I think Max Holloway's pressure will probably lead him to to take over in the later rounds and maybe probably go five rounds but maybe get a late finish. But uh yeah, I see uh Volkanovski definitely causing problems early, uh anyway.
0: Yeah. Like watching Max Holloway I think the issues he has also make him great. Like Holloway fights very kind of square on, which is something you know we talk about. People talk about boxing all the time that you probably shouldn't do, but I think it's it's good for him because he can attack so well. There, you know, he changes stances all the time, and when you're you know when you're square on, obviously it's easier to move on foot forward or one you know one foot back. But he's very susceptible to shots out the middle and big jabs, and we saw that against Dustin Poirier, know, the fight I mentioned earlier on. Dustin Poirier can land those ja- jabs right up through the middle, and you saw it was the right, big right hand, I believe, wasn't it? yeah, or the, the left hand, let me think, yeah, left hand, Dustin Poirier is a sopa, that came right up through uh, the middle and hit Max Holloway, and hurt him very badly in the first round, and, you know, it was all kind of, maybe not downhill from there, but it was tough to get back at it from there. Now, Volkanovski has a very, very good jab, but the problem is, I don't. he's not as long as Dustin Poirier, I don't think he's as powerful as Dustin Poirier, that, he is very powerful, but Dustin Poirier is, in my opinion, one of the, most powerful punchers in the lightweight division and this is a division down so like max max holloway is a guy who you know when he fights aldo he like he throws his jab but then he kind of dips down to the left and throws the the big right hand right down through the middle or the other way around when he when he throws the um when he uh, switches to southpaw but he's willing to fight in that pocket because he's faster and because he has an ability to move away he moves back very quickly out of danger um, that that square on thing kind of uh, boxing stance makes him eat leg kicks as well, which I'm sure Volkanovski will do. But the thing about the smaller fighter as well, as opposed to like the taller fighter who control right down through the middle, like Poirier did, that speed might be an issue because, as I said, when you stand square on, you leave yourself kind of open down through the middle. Um, and Lint can break that, but speed could break it too. And I wonder is that something Volkanovski will do? Try to come right down the middle with big shots and quickly. You know, maybe not. I'll talk about countering in a second with Manny Nunes again but rather than countering maybe his jab or him coming forward do it at different integers where you're just I'm going to attack right now and I'm going to come right down through the middle with everything I have now that leave you open to uh, a counter and things but when you're fighting someone like Max Holloway I think you have to put yourself in a little bit of danger to get uh, get on well against him and you know that that you said about Max Holloway not looking good and going on with Bisping and maybe having been knocked out and things even if you leave that to a side Max Holloway has had lots of very long fights. You you think of Max Holloway being young, but he's had lots of fights in the UFC before he even, you know, he fought Conor McGregor fucking 5 years ago and took a lot of shots in that. he's taken a lot of damage down through the years. And no matter how good you are, there's only a certain amount of damage you can take. I
1: remember, yeah, I remember in the 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 lead, the lead up to him, I, when he signed to for Poriaer in the UFC and there was a few videos online of his his fights in Hawaii uh and it, like you know he was the same style it was like just kind of with less defence where he was kind of wading in throwing a lot of punches and taking a lot of punches so even, even with his amount of cage time in see you he can you know he, he wasn't um, he was taking a lot of shots from, a, from a, a lot of not a lot of shots but a lot of yeah a lot of shots from a, a young age. some guys can be 28 and be you know in their peak and other guys can be you know you uh, know 35 it just depends on how much kind of damage and how much cage time and gym time and all that stuff that you've, you've put on your body
0: yeah that that is very true yeah and i suppose that that's definitely the case with holloway so you know will it will it catch up in this fight who knows but uh, I, I think he'll probably just about win i think he'll be a bit more careful defensively because he'll know the the speed and, and the power of volkanovsky right down through the middle and you know I, there's there's a certain thing to say that you know Holloway needs to fight that way because that's why he's very good but he that's early as well I think you know he got got caught early against um uh, against Paria that way but I think the longer the fight goes um Max Holloway picks up steam and goes forward and pressures more and I think that actually benefits him more because he you know he is very good in that sort of fight um but it all comes down to Volkanovski. Like if if Volkanovski, maybe Volkanovski is better in that sort of fight. We we like we we've seen him, but against someone as good as per, uh, Holloway in that sort of fight, like against Aldo, he fought someone you know up there is uh, nearly as good. Uh, but it was a very different sort of fight where he was jabbing him and picking him off against chad mendez it was a different sort of fight as well he got into a bit of a war with chad mendez and he did well in that and he looked a bit tired at times so five rounds might be an issue here as well but um yeah I, look I'd, I'd have to favor holloway but i wouldn't be at all surprised if if Alkanowski did this but um then the, the third fight uh third title fight anyway and there's a few more fights obviously we'll talk about as well amanda Nunes versus jermaine Me watching watching tape on amanda Nunes. she's just such a very very good fighter like she's, watching her versus Holly Holm, she's so deliberate, and she just waits for that shot, she throws with huge power, which also, you know, these days is very good for the, the judges, she puts herself in a little bit of danger, uh, because she throws so hard, like, Amanda Nunes, those leg kicks she throws so hard, like, uh, it's it's tough to watch sometimes, because you're just thinking, fucking, she going to Anderson Silva herself here, because if someone checks one of those leg kicks, it, you know, it's, it's very dangerous, hopefully that never fucking happens, but, that's something you probably have to take into consideration as well, but, like I, think her her fakes and the way she moves her front hand slowly coming in and she attack. Like the the best part about Amanda Nunes is the the way she attacks at odd times. Like you see a lot of fighters and like that that Holly Holm fight, and other fights as well. She fights maybe off uh, the back foot where she kind of circles around and lets you pressure her a little bit. But mostly when most of the times when people do that, they attack. Uh, ...with a combination from something you've thrown. So like you throw a jab at them, they'll come over the top like... ...let's say like Bisping against Luke Rockhold. He came over the top with the left hook countering a shot from Luke Rockhold. Amanda Nunes attacks at odd times. So she doesn't wait for you to throw. She attacks from a countering position with an attack of her own. And that's very difficult to deal with because most of the time when you're attacking like that, you're watching for the counters. But when you're attacking like that against Amanda Nunes, you're watching for the counters, but you're also watching for her attacks from that position. And she can afford to do that because she's so athletic, she's so fast, she's so strong, she's so defensively good. So it leads to... A position where you're afraid to throw shots because she's going to counter you, but then you're also waiting for her to attack from that position. So, you're Amanda Nunes is really a tough proposition to fight against because what are you supposed to do? And if you let if you just back up and let her pressure you, then she's probably the best we've ever seen uh, in women's MMA at doing that. She just the pace she puts on, the ferocity with which she hits is just it's just unbelievable. And she, you know, she almost forces her Opponent into an, a fight which they don't want to be in, and it's, you know, she's brilliant at when. Whereas, yeah, yeah go
1: on. Durandami, though, is good at staying composed and she's big and strong, kind of can fight her game and is dangerous as well. But mm-hmm. as you said, Amanda Nunez is just so well rounded, and um, but maybe you know, she, she can be a little bit kind of you know, let herself get hit to, to to land to get inside, and that can be dangerous against somebody with the striking ability of Durandami, and uh. Like uh, she's 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 finished people before she she's no mug she's been five rounds uh in the UFC before as well so uh it, like at the top of the division like there's not many harder matchups than the randomy for for Nunez like uh, she she could be the most difficult matchup but uh, I still see Amanda Nunez being too well around and uh, just uh, probably probably won't won't have it all all her own way she'll probably have to eat some shots to, to get it done but I I see Amanda Nunes winning it's very hard to pick against Amanda Nunes
0: yeah uh, I agree uh, look Durandam is very good as you said she's smooth on her feet she kind of slides in and out of distance she throws she plants her feet and she throws shots which is as you said is dangerous against uh, Amanda Nunes she's good takedown defence at, at times as well um uh, and she's dangerous from the break with Big elbows was as we saw against Holly Holm after the, after the bell a couple of times, um. But yeah, look, haven't watched her first fight again. Yeah, she's
1: able to fight long if she gets into her yeah, groove as well. That's
0: true. I haven't watched her first fight again. It's obviously a long time ago, but. There was a strength disparity for Amanda Nunes and, you know, someone Amanda Nunes, sometimes we forget, is her grappling and her ability to grapple. She's a fantastic on the ground. So I could see her very easily gone out here, pushing her enemy against the cage as well and taking her down. Uh, she ended the last fight from Mount with big elbows, ground and pound. Uh, so I could see that happening again. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, definitely pick, uh, I definitely pick Amanda Nunes here. But... Uh, elsewhere on the card we have um, I suppose we go from the, the bottom to the to the top Sky is back here and Nine McGrath's uh, favourite fighter uh, she's fighting Viviana Arujo. we have uh, Brandon uh, Moreno versus Kai Kara-France. very good fi- flyweight fight there I really like that your boy Daniel Tamour is back Matt Brown against Ben Saunders what a fight that is uh, Ben Saunders will probably come out win the first 30 seconds and then get knocked out as he always does uh, Ketlin Vieira against Irina Aldana I love that fight Ketlin Vieira is probably the next uh, contender for the for the featherweight or for the bantamweight title sorry uh so she could be setting up uh, a title fight with amanda nunes here if she can be irina aldana mike perry against jeff Neal. what a banger that's going to be absolutely fantastic and in the the two uh, bantamweight fights on the main card between Peter yan and uriah faber and marlon Moraes and jose aldo jr um first of all yan against faber this is just going to be an absolute drubbing for peter yan isn't it like it's hard to see uriah faber not getting absolutely destroyed here isn't
1: it yeah yeah it's a real uh showcase fight for peter yan and if he doesn't go out there and style on uriah faber it'll, it'll be a disappointment mm-hmm. um i suppose it's a good name for him like you know uh his record is brilliant but in terms of you know uh, mainstream names. He doesn't really have that on his record. He has John Dodson and Jimmy Rivera, but the casuals they haven't heard, they haven't heard of, him, uh, of most of the, most of the guys on his record. So um, Faber will be a kind of if he can go out there and style on Faber it will be good for him. But for Faber, it's 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 a terrible matchup. Um, it's just a payday, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I'm he took this fight. Like I, I think I said it at the time. Like he. Henry Souda was calling him out, and there was other names calling him out as well, which would have been maybe main events or big, maybe not big money fights, but big fights. But instead, he decides to take Peter Jan, who's like the best prospect coming through in the division. Just a horrible style matchup for you, because he's a good wrestler with good takedown defense, who is a fantastic boxer, which has always been a, a big problem for, uh, been a big problem for your IFA, obviously. But um, like. I just I just see Jan walking through him here to be honest. Landing his jab, landing big shots, probably hurting your eye of Faber. And you know Faber's always been unbelievably tough, so he might hang in there. And you know Jan is is a guy as well who played a little bit safe, I suppose, intelligently. So I could see it going all three rounds, but I'd I'd probably favor Jan. I definitely favor Jan to win, but I probably just favor him to to get the finish as well. Uh, and uh, last thing here, uh, Marlon Moraes versus Jose Aldo Junior. What do you think of this? Uh, Aldo moving down to where We've seen lots of pictures of him over the last couple of days, looking gaunt, looking like fucking your man from the uh, the what's it called, looking like an old man. Looking, <laughs> yeah, uh, looks awful.
1: Definitely. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast before when it was announced that he was going to band that it was a bad idea, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the the photos of him looking not very healthy don't uh, don't reassure me in any way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, it, like. Somewhat, a couple of people asked about Frankie Edgar taking the fight against the Korean Zombie in a couple of weeks. Obviously, we'll talk about that next week again. But I wanted Jose Aldo to, to take that fight. Get him back to 145 fight the Korean Zombie. would be absolutely perfect. I, I don't think there's any sense in him going down to 135 here. Like, maybe he'll win and, and get the belt. But I think Conor McGregor actually came out and tweeted Ariel and said he looks okay. You know, he doesn't look that bad. I, I, I actually don't think he looked as bad as people were making out either. But I still don't think it's healthy at this time of his career. Like... Why didn't he move the lightweight? Like he's a terrible matchup for lots of those guys a lot. Like he's a terrible matchup for Habib. he's takedown defense is brilliant. He's, I know Habib is much bigger than him and everything like that, but I'd I'd still like to see that fight with Habib. Like Aldo Aldo got smashed by um by Max Holloway twice, but he's still not a bad fighter. Like Aldo's not completely over the hill or anything like that. But going down to 135 is just... is just not going to help him, unfortunately. And it's, it's, it's a peel. Like, he might, he might beat Marlon Moraes. Because he's a very, very good fighter still. And I'm sure he'll get in there and he'll be prepared. But uh, I just don't think it's healthy for him. And I don't, I don't think it's... I don't think it's good. I hate these sort of huge weight cuts. But however... Uh, right, before we go... Um, I suppose we did a couple of podcasts on it over on Patreon, but we didn't really mention here and and um, about Conor McGregor and Patrick actually asked the question: Is the Habib versus Tony fight more one sided in favor of Habib than McGregor versus Cowboy is in favor of of Conor? What do you what do you think of that one? Do you think it's uh, the uh, the Habib is a bigger favor over Tony than Conor is over uh, Cerrone? Um,
1: uh, the bookies are probably not, but um. Uh... Yeah, I think both are like I'm pretty clear who I think is going to win both, but um, big upset for in my mind for either Tony or Cowboy to to win.
0: Yeah, look, I I, I probably agree. Ah, uh, yeah, I think I think they'll both win, but like. It's it's good to see McGregor coming back. I suppose you know we talked about it over and over on the podcast before. Um, that you know there's talks of Masvidal coming up next, maybe for him or maybe Habib as well. Dana White saying it, but look, he's coming back with the the Cerrone fight, and it's funny because I said he should take three fights and maybe you know fight Cerrone, fight go up and fight someone, uh, you know Gage or someone, and maybe didn't fight Habib if he wants to do it that way. Um and you know those plans could go out the window <laughs> quickly if he gets a win against Cerrone, but I think this is the right fight to come back to. Uh, and I've been saying it for months. You know, lots of people are jumping on the bandwagon <laughs> saying it now as well. But uh, I think it's smart to take it a more slow road. If you jump straight back in against Habib, it'd make him as much money as he possibly could. But if he wants to get back to being the best fighter in the world, this is. This is the right way of doing it, and I suppose we don't have that long to wait. It's what the the eighth of December now, and it's the eighteenth of January. The fights happening, so it's, six weeks. Yeah. yeah, not not too bad. The same weekend as uh, Liverpool versus Man United. So what a weekend the sports that's going to be. But um, yeah. We're having a few technical difficulties here, so I think we better wrap up the, <laughs> wrap up the podcast at this stage. I'll answer all your questions over on um, over on Patreon. Now, uh, do you know what we'll make the Q and A free this week so everyone can listen to it because of the technical difficulties we've had here? So that'll be out Tuesday morning. Everyone will be able to listen to it. Go over to patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. And if you wanna if you wanna sign up, uh, you can sign up there as well. If even if you go to Severe forward slash points, it's the price of a point a month. So I think there's been. I think there's been over five hundred posts in the last. Are you doing your, your annual
1: from? Christmas Ben Askren rewatch? <laughs> <career> <laughs> pack?
0: Yeah, Christmas Day Ben Askren rewatch. Yeah, there will. Yeah, I'll um. But yeah, if, if you sign up, you get all the uh, all the rewatches down through the last year. You get all the breaking news podcasts, all the state of the UFC podcasts. The betting podcast. If you want to go back and look at how shit myself and picks are, actually, we'll have another betting podcast this week for the pay per view. So that'll be out towards uh, there, Friday, probably Friday. Um. So um, Yeah, we'll have that as well, and I'll have uh, a few rewatches as well this week. So sign up. SevereMay.com forward slash Point. SevereMay.com forward slash Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash SevereMay Podcast. Uh, we'd really uh we'd really appreciate it. Actually, heading to Dublin as well. Uh, Wednesday for the Bellator. Uh, press conference and media day so if you have anything you want to ask James uh, Gallagher or Cal Eleanor or who else Peter Quigley I think he's there or a few more lads send on to me over on Patreon if anything you want to ask I, I can uh, I can I can ask him for you but that's that anyway thanks everyone for listening really looking forward to the, the fights next week should be fun uh, and uh, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year to all of you but all we need to do now is in this on the inspirational quote of the week Truth is not diminished by the number of people who believe it. We'll see you next Tuesday, or Sunday or Monday.